0: And so you pray the Holy Ghost will help us tonight and just give us exactly what's needed for this hour. I'm going to begin reading here in Numbers 13 in verse 25. And I'll read down through verse 5 in chapter 14. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land, whether thou sentest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, And the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Verse 30, and Caleb steeled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, And all the people that we saw in it, look, are men of great stature. Men of great stature. Verse 33 And there we saw the giants. We saw the giants. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Verse 1 of chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? You better be careful what you pray for. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Father, now we read your word tonight and I pray that the word will go forth in its power, in its authority, Lord. And let it find a place in our heart. Let the Word speak to us. Let us, help us to let the Word speak to us. Don't let us turn a deaf ear to what you're trying to say to us tonight. But help us to receive the Word of God and make application of it that we can become stronger men and women and boys and girls in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are faced with obstacles, but we know, as Caleb said, that we are able to go up at once and to possess the land, and we are well able to overcome it. It's not through any power of might of our own, But we know it's through thy presence and thy power that is in us and that goes before us. And I pray that you would help us to draw strength from this hour together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I've entitled my sermon, Overcoming Giant Obstacles. Overcoming Giant Obstacles. I started to entitle it Chasing Giants. But I thought this might be a better fit, overcoming giant obstacles. Now this is a good story. It's an old story. It's it's sad, but it speaks not only uh, to the situation that Moses and the children of Israel found themselves in, but there's a New Testament application that we can make of this tonight in our lives. In fact, the Hebrew writer had a lot to say about this event when you go into Hebrews chapter 2. So there is a spiritual application that we are able to make to ourselves from this, this story. Now there are a couple of things that I uh, want to point out to you that we're going to be mentioning as we progress through this sermon. Number one is the giants. The giants. And then there is the fear that came into the hearts of the people when they heard about the giants. And then there is the unbelief that arose in their hearts because of the fear that came there. And then the unbelief produced rebellion in their hearts and life. And and, and this happened to a multitude of people because ten men brought back an evil report. Ten men. And I tell you, I just wonder how God will judge those ten men. Amen. Amen. And before I go too far, let me say that there are two things that the devil is really warring against in these last days. Number one, Satan is fighting the home. I believe it, I don't think I've ever seen it any worse in my lifetime, how he's attacking, the home, especially the homes where, where there are Christian parents and they're trying to raise their children in the light and in the word of God. You are under severe attack. And then there is the church. The devil is attacking the church in ways that I don't remember seeing even 20 years ago. And so he has waged war on these two great institutions that were ordained of God. The home and the church. And there's none of us exempt from this. But we're all feeling the pressure. I think Brother Fincannon mentioned it a couple of times. It's like we're living in a pressure cooker. And the pressure is just building up. And it's building and it's building. And pretty soon something's going to give. Hallelujah. So keep that in mind. Well, you know this story. The children of Israel had been led out of, out of uh, Egypt. And they made that journey across the desert from Egypt to the Red Sea. And they were led by the presence and the glory of God. That pillar of cloud by day. And it was a, uh, a pillar of fire by night. And God was in the cloud. God was in the cloud. And so they had his presence going before them and they got to the Red Sea and you know that wonderful story uh, of how they look back and Pharaoh and the Egyptian army were in hot pursuit And, and, and so the Lord moved the cloud from before the camp of Israel to the rear of the camp and it was light to the children of Israel by night but it was darkness to the Egyptians. And Moses, in obedience to God, raised that rod and stretched forth. And there was an east wind that began to blow. And God opened up a path through the Red Sea, and they were able to walk across on dry ground. And the Egyptian are saying to do the same thing, followed them. And when all the children of Israel were safely on the other side of the Red Sea, Moses held up that rod again. And the waters came back to their full strength, and Pharaoh and his army drowned in the sea. Hallelujah. And then they went on across the desert until they came to the foot of Mount Sinai. Along the way, uh, God sweetened a bitter spring of water for them. And so he gave them water to drink in their time of thirst. And they got to the, 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 the foot of Mount Sinai, spent about a year there camping. And it was during that time when Moses went up on the mountain that God gave to him the Ten Commandments and what we know to be the Mosaic Law, the law regarding uh, the social, the political life of the children of Israel as well as the ceremonial religious law. And that's a great story about how God gave that to Moses. Moses, in turn, gave it to the people. They constructed the tabernacle after receiving the law. And then, when God was finished at Sinai, they continued that trek across the desert to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And this was the place where God intended to have them cross over into the land of milk and honey, Canaan's land, the promised land. And so when they got to Kadesh, Moses chose out 12 men to send over into the land and to spy it out. He said, you go through the breadth of that land, you go to the mountains, and you see what the mountains are like. You see if the land is good or bad. Uh, We want you to, to see the people of the land, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And you take note of the cities that they dwell in, whether they're in tents or in strongholds. And whether or not the land is fat or lean, whether there be wooded land or not. And you be of good courage, and you bring of the fruit of the land. And it was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went in. Forty days, they searched out the land of Canaan. And they came back. But they stopped by the brook Escol. And they cut down a cluster of grapes that was so great that that cluster of grapes had to be carried on a pole between two men. I've often wondered about the size of those grapes. Maybe they were like a grapefruit, (laughs) so large. Can you imagine biting into one of those grapes and the juice just squirting and running down your face and off your chin? And the sweetest kind of fruit from that land of Canaan. And they brought pomegranates, granites and they brought figs from that land. And, and it truly was a land that flowed with milk and honey. And they came back after 40 days of searching the land out. According to the text, tonight, they they told them what the land was like. And they said, it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. They showed them the, the grapes and the pomegranates and the figs. And I imagine Moses probably had to test each one of those fruits and to see how good that they were and I wish that was just stop there uh, but the story goes on that they begin to tell about the people that dwell there they're very great and we saw the children of hanak there and and the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites the Uh, Canaanites and all of these people and Caleb I think had some insight he could see where that was going and so he stealed the people before Moses and he said let us go up at once don't waste no time but let's go up and possess this land for we are well able to overcome it we're well able to overcome it glory I want you to know that we are well able tonight to overcome. And there's a land that we are going to. And we've got our eyes set on it. And we're enjoying the fruits of that land. Right here tonight, I feel the fruits of of that land. Hallelujah to God. And we have the Holy Ghost which is the down payment. It's the earnest of our inheritance that we're going to receive when we get to heaven. And I can feel the Holy Ghost uh, moving up and down the avenues of my soul tonight. And the Holy Ghost is here to let you know that you, my friend, you, my friend, are well able to overcome. Hallelujah. And to be a partaker of the fruits of this Blessed land of Canaan, where our friends and loved ones are going, and where there they are gathering one by one. Oh, hallelujah to God! Halamos Sakaios Sundario Oh, hallelujah to God! But these other ten men, of course, Caleb and Joshua. You know, they brought the good report. But the other ten, they brought up an evil report. It says in verse thirty-two of the land that they had searched. And they said, this is a land that eats the inhabitants up." And the people we saw are men of a great stature. We saw giants there, the sons of Anak. And and we just like grasshoppers in their sight. they so big and tall. Brother Fincan and myself were talking today as we drove along. And, and I told him, I said, I've often wondered about the origin of these post- flood giants. I know about the pre-flood giants when the the, the sons of God, the daughters of men, came together and produced those giants. And there are several different thoughts about that that I won't go into. But I've read a number of commentaries and some think that perhaps these giants and these sons of Hanak... Uh, that they were produced in the same way. Now, I'm just going to leave that line tonight. I'm not going to spend my time there. And, uh, and there are those who think that the Philistines that we read about in First and 2 Samuel during the days of, of Saul and David, that they were the descendants of these sons of Anak. But these giants were men of a huge stature. The Bible tells us that Goliath the Philistine, that he was over nine feet tall. He was nine feet, I think six and a half cubits in a span, if my memory is correct. And so he was closer to ten feet tall, about nine feet and nine inches. He's about nearly as tall as his ceiling. The man stand down here on his floor, flat-footed. And his head had just about touched the top of that ceiling there. So these were men of great stature. Uh, there in 1 Samuel 17, it tells us about Goliath's armor. His armor in today's measurements would weigh about 125 pounds. The, the, the spear, the tip of the spear that Goliath had weighed about 15 pounds so it took a man a giant of a man to be able to use that type of weaponry and so these were the kind of men that that the 12 spies saw in the land of Canaan there's a man that we read about in the uh, book of, of Deuteronomy he was Og king of Bashan he was of the remnant of the giants and the Bible says that his bedstead was nine cubits long and four cubits wide. That bed was 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. I walked into a furniture store uh, not too long ago. They were having a mattress sale. And on display there, when you walked in the door, they had four mattresses pushed together, two of them end to end beside each other. And when I thought saw that, I thought, that's Anak's bed. <laughs> bed. That's Anak's bed. That's a bed for a giant. And, and, and so these men were huge men. And no wonder these spies said, we just like grasshoppers in their sight. We just like grasshoppers in their sight. And so they brought up this evil report. And, 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 and they want the people now to, to, to make a U turn and head back to Egypt's land and don't want to press on. And, and so they brought this evil report. Now I want to tell you something. However, you look at the origin of these giants, uh, they are men that were always associated with evil and wickedness and idolatry and pagan worship. I'm telling you. And, and so the, 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 the bad things, the giants that we are faced with today, they certainly don't come from God. They certainly don't come to God. And they told the people about these giants. We just like grasshoppers. How are we going to fight being of just such great stature? A man that wears 125 pounds of, of armor on his body. A man that has a sword, that a spear that the tip of the head of that spear weighs 15 pounds. And when they would throw that spear a Thrust that spirit with such power and such might that nothing could survive a wound from that type of a blow. And so fear hinted the heart of the people. Fear. Fear hath torment, the Bible said. And fear will render a person immobile fear is immobilizing you understand that there's a lot of Christian folk that are living in fear I'm just going to be open and honest with you tonight it looks like in the past few years I've sensed that fear at times coming into my heart and, and, and it's a fear that I know comes from Satan, because God's not the author of it. God is the author of peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so, if you got fear tonight, it's the devil, a giant that's coming against you. Sometimes I think, Brother Clark, these these spiritual giants probably are much worse than those physical giants than the children of Israel had to face. And so fear came in. They gave place to it. And and out of that fear, unbelief was conceived in that heart. And they failed to remember God's past faithfulness. They forgot about that. You see, the devil wants us to forget about what God has done in the past for us. It is God that has brought us this far. It's God that has kept us. It is God that has met the needs of life. It is God that has healed us when we were sick. It is God that's put food on our table. It is God that's given us homes to live in and a good church to go to. It is God. But the devil wants a giant of unbelief to come up so that we'll forget all of the past faithfulness of God. And they fail to trust the Lord. At this juncture. I mean they might ready to cross over and win the victory, but they fail to trust God and to take him at his word. They wouldn't do it. And that's what the devil wants to do. This giant of unbelief. Well, I just don't believe the Lord's able to get me through this situation. And they forgot Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. And how God opened up the Red Sea and they were able to cross on dry ground. They forgot that. We forget of how God opened up the Red Sea in our life. Hallelujah. And how He drowned our enemies in the sea and those things that were pursuing us. You know, I've heard it described like this they came out of Egypt uh, marked by the blood. And the Egyptians came in hot pursuit But God drowned those Egyptians in the depth of the sea. And we forget where God has brought us from when we got up from an altar of prayer marked by the blood of Jesus Christ. And those sins that we are committed were cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And God changed uh, the way that we were living. And He gave us uh, a new lease on life. And God uh, Give us his life and he broke the chains of bondage and he brought us into the glorious liberty of Jesus Christ. And we can say tonight that I'm free, I'm free, I'm free indeed. Hallelujah to God. Let us not forget the past and and, and how God has given us water to drink when life uh, dealt us bitter experiences and things uh, that ordinarily would have overcome us and destroyed us. Uh, But there was a bush that God told Moses to throw into that brackish water and that bitter water and when we take the cross of Jesus Christ uh, and cast it into our bitterness of life, it'll make the bitter sweet. I'm telling you, let's not forget what God has done for us. Hallelujah. 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 Glory Oh we've heard about worship here tonight uh, worship here tonight and how it's that worship and that uh, and that glorifying and living in his presence uh, that helps us to overcome our problems and face the giants of our life uh, and when they came to Sinai God not only showed them how to live uh, that natural life but he was guiding them into his glorious presence uh, and he was showing them how to have the victory even when they were faced with the giants. Hallelujah. Living in his presence and in one accord. That old song says. Hallelujah to God hallelujah hallelujah i don't want to be without his presence i think i think some of those old testament saints uh, they had a hold of that job had a hold of it Uh, he didn't want to be away from the presence of god Uh, david knew what that was about because he prayed take not the holy spirit from me moses knew what it was like because he said lord show me thy glory And God said, I'll not go with you to the promised land. This was after the children of Israel had sinned concerning the mouth of the golden calf. But Moses said, if you don't go, I ain't going. Hallelujah. So we got to have his presence in his presence, his fullness of joy fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength tonight. Uh, Hallelujah if you want to be strong in the Lord uh, then get the joy of the Lord. Wipe that frown off of your face. Uh, Hallelujah and get happy in Jesus. Uh, I'm happy with Jesus alone. Happy with Jesus alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You go in that second chapter of Hebrews, and because of the fear and the unbelief, their heart was hardened. It hardened their heart. And they became insensitive to the word of God. It's amazing to me how people once shouted our aisles, prayed in our altars, had the victory, but now they can sit unmoved. I'm telling you, right now, Brother Troy, when I was sitting right there, I felt the Holy Ghost tonight as strong as I ever felt Him in my life. Hallelujah. And He's in this place tonight. Bethel church I I know I'm not just preaching to Bethel but Bethel you've been through the fire you have facing some giants uh, and the devil wants to fear in your heart and he wants to harden you uh, to God's word and make you insensitive to the word of God but have a heart like Caleb let's go up at once uh, and possess this land for we are well able to overcome it Hallelujah. And there's some of us here tonight who are not part of Bethel. And we need to get a hold of this too. Hallelujah. We hadn't been what Bethel, through what Bethel's been through. But I tell you, we need to get a hold of that spirit of Caleb tonight. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. And that unbelief and that insensitivity to the Word of God, it produced a spirit of of rebellion they were rebels he called them rebels they were rebels and and it was a willful disobedience they knew what they were doing it was a willful disobedience and that's the worst kind of rebellion a willful disobedience to the word of God brother Finn Cannon was telling me back today about a lady uh, the, her pastor was just really preaching good. And she said something to him about it. said, you can preach like that all you want to. I'm just going to take a shovel and throw it to the person behind me. <laughs> That's the way a lot of folks are. Want to shovel it off on somebody else. That's a willful disobedience to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, my question. What is your giant tonight you know if if, I and I wouldn't do this but if I were to take a vote I'll guarantee you everybody in this room would say that I got a giant in my life got a giant in my life I preach Sunday about the resurrection and the the condition of those disciples after the death of Jesus. They were fearful. Because they were hiding. For fear of the Jews. Jesus met those two on the road to Emmaus. He said why are you sad? And they were sad. They were doubtful. We get a hold of old Thomas. You know really bad about that. But none of them. Really Believe that he was alive. They were doubtful. Those women came and told them that he's alive. We have seen him, we have talked to him. But they didn't believe him. They were discouraged. I read numbers of commentaries about those disciples. And there was one man that said, if Jesus had not resurrected and arose from the dead. It wouldn't have been just a matter of days and that little group would have dispersed and been gone. And been gone. But that resurrection unified them. It brought them back together. But I want to tell you, there's some giants that we are faced with, that they dealt with. That giant of fear. I'm just afraid of what the devil's going to do to my home. What he's going to do to my husband or my wife or my children. And we live in that fear. And that fear grows day by day if we don't slay that giant. And there is the giant of sadness. And it looks like it's just hard to get the victory and we can't overcome this despair and this depression in our heart, and we can come to church and we just go through the motions of singing the songs, and we're not really thinking about what we're singing, and the Holy Ghost moves, and we just will not let the Holy Ghost. we quench the spirit. That's a giant there of sadness and despair. And we're full of unbelief. Well, I, this this giant is just too big. I don't believe God can save my family. My children done gone too far, and and they've sinned too much. And my spouse has just gone too far, and God can't bring them back. You know, and it's a giant. And in our churches. This giant of unbelief, I don't believe we can get back to where we used to be. I don't believe that our services can be powerful and effective anymore. I don't believe that we can have the Holy Ghost. And all the time we are forgetting what God has done in the past. We're fighting giants. And I could just go on with that tonight. What is your giant? What giant is it in your family? What giant is it in your church? And that devil's talking. Uh, well, you just like a grasshopper. You can't overcome. And he's just whispering, yak, 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 yak. Running his mouth. Sometimes I'll be going down the road and he'll go to whispering. And, like, and I'll just holler I say, shut up, devil. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. you. You know, maybe, maybe you don't do that, but I sure do it. I believe you do it too. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. <laughs> Giants. Giants. And you know the story. I'm not going to belabor this. i got to quit. Brother Chambers will be getting me for preaching too long. But because of that fear, the unbelief, the insensitive, it's to the word of God and the rebellion, the Lord told them. He said, every one of you from 20 years old and upward, you're going to die in the wilderness. And for every day that those spies were in the promised land, you're going to spend a year in that wilderness, 40 years. And that older generation, he said, You're going to die, but it's your children that's going to go in and possess that land. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says that their carcasses fell in the wilderness, except for two men Joshua and Caleb. Fast forward to Joshua chapter 14. The children of Israel done gone in now and possessed that land. And it's time now for Caleb to receive his inheritance that Moses has promised to him. And old Caleb comes to Joshua. He said, Now Joshua, 45 years ago, Moses told me that my inheritance was going to be Mount Hebron. And he's 85 now. And he said, I'm as strong this day as I was 40 years ago, both to go in and to come out. And I want my inheritance. And so Joshua gave him Mount Hebron you know who lived on Mount Hebron? Three sons of Anak. Three sons of Anak. And Caleb said I'm going to drive them out. 85 years old, going to drive them out. Now, I want you to I just got to read this to you now. This this blesses my soul. Take up your Bible. And turn to the 23rd chapter of Exodus. Fact of the matter, let me begin reading in verse 27. Exodus 23 and 27. God said, I'll send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I'll make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. You know what that means, don't you? When your enemies' backs are towards you, they run running. They're fleeing. Verse 28, I will send hornets before thee, bees, which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites. From before thee. Now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. In verse 20. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee, be destroyed. God's going to defeat the Canaanites, the sons of Anak. Now go to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 12. And Joshua is reciting now what God had done for them. And he said in verse 12, and I sent the hornet before you and drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, not with thy sword nor with thy bow. Hornets drove them out of the land. Oh, that brother Finn Cannon's yesterday morning went out there and he's all suited up in that bee. Suit. He's working on his beehives. And I'm just curious. I walk out there. Brother David, I think you had a similar experience. I, I, oh, okay. I remember you talking about this. One of them honeybees now. How long is a honeybee, Brother Fincannon? Half inch. A honeybee, a half inch long. And that thing's just a buzzing. I can, you know, all around my head and. Brother Finn County said, Just stand still, Brother Joe. Stand still. So I try to be a good student now, and I stand still. And, and, and that thing, it sounds like it's getting closer. Finally, he said, Just slowly walk away. So I did giant steps. <laughs> Man, I got away from that beehive because I didn't want them things coming out on me. A half inch honey bee." Now, when a honeybee stings you, it dies. Can't sting you but one time. But have you ever gotten to a nest of yellow jackets? I was a boy, and the old country road that my grandma lived on is probably, I don't know, maybe a half a mile long, dull dirt road. Well, they got a bulldozer to come in there and do some work on that road. And a man was, you know, leveling the road out, that bulldozer. Well, he had a, had a bunch of dirt, and he just pushed it off down across the field there. And I'm standing, you know, the bulldozer just fascinated a little boy, and I'm watching this man. And all of a sudden, that bulldozer stops. And I saw this fella. He just starts, takes his hat off, and, man, he rolls off that bulldozer, and he runs back up across the field to the road. And it dawned on me, he done plowed up a yellow jacket nest. And them things was everywhere. And when a yellow jacket gets on you, it don't let up. It just keeps on biting and stinging. A yellow jacket's a little bigger than a honeybee. But then, my mama used to call them old bell hornets, them old yellow hornets. And them things a good inch long. I think I've seen them maybe an inch and a half long. Going down the road one night and one of them things was in the car. And my sister Hannah, she started crying. She's about 10, 11 years old. And that thing had stung her on her arm. Daddy stopped the car and docked it on Anna, But we got that hornet that out of there. Killed that thing. Daddy did. They'll lay a hurting on you. Well, the hornets ran the giants out of the land of Canaan. Do y'all hear that? The hornets drove the giants out of the land of Canaan. Now, whatever giant is in your life tonight, I know a hornet can't drive a spiritual giant away. But I tell you what can do it, that's believing God and trusting God. That's what faith is, is trusting God. Remember what He's done for you in the past. Recall the past blessings. Recall the past victories. You read that word and you claim it for your own. I'm not giving up on my children. I'm not giving up on my home. We are living in the last days. We're living in the falling away. But it don't have to come to us. That's a giant that the devil is just blowing up and making so big that we can't hardly overcome it. But I'm telling you, when Jesus walked out of that grave, he overcame death, sin, hell, and the grave. Coming down the road the other day, I saw on a marquee of a church, spoiler alert, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And Jesus is a giant killer tonight. Hallelujah. And he's already detoothed the lion, and I believe he can slay the giants in our lives. I believe that this meeting can be a turning point for us. Bethel, I believe with all my heart this meeting can be a turning point for you. Hallelujah to God. And God can help you eat of the fruits of the promised land. He can give you the victory. You can shout the joy of the Lord tonight. You can have the strength that He wants you to have. Will you stand? Brother Clark, will you play that song again? Only Believe. You must listen to me, saith the Lord. I am everything my Bible says I am. And I've said often to my people, if you will make all you are available to me, then all I am becomes available. Hallelujah. 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 No man can have me in my fullness and me in my power and walk in obedience to that and believe me. But he will see, she will see my power and my glory, and there will be victory, saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise Him tonight. Hallelujah to God. You can see His victory, saith the Lord. What's the giant in your life tonight? What kind of a giant are you facing and you dealing with? Now, we're going to sing a song. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. And I don't want you to be embarrassed or to be ashamed because we all fighting giants. They're obstacles. But I want you to come to this altar. If you got a giant in your life and that devil just blowing it up and making it seem more impossible, you believe the Lord tonight to put the giant to death. Eighty-five years old. And Caleb walked up Mount Hebron. Shouting the victory. And God sending the hornets before him. The giant's backs were to him. They were fleeing the land. Eighty-five years old. And God gave him his inheritance. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost telling you this. That devil don't want you to have your inheritance tonight. And I want you to come and let's slay some giants here this evening, will you?